Hello and welcome to Manners Mattered 2. This is not your grandma's etiquette. This is real life practical conversations on how to be your best self. Your hosts are myself, Rachna Adianthaya, founder of Create My Change, which focuses on business etiquette, image and personal development coaching. My co-host is Julia Estevi Boyd international etiquette and protocol consultant with a focus on teaching real life skills important for your professional and your personal success. Mark Johnson Hill uh, with us who is the owner of a wonderful chateau in France called Chateau Mayon. Um, This is actually a huge estate I think it's approximately 255 acres in the region of Bordeaux and Actually, I discovered that it was once owned by the former bodyguard to Louis the Fourteenth, I think. Um, and Mark is going to share a few tips about wine so that we can prepare ourselves and perhaps plan our wine menus or our wine attitudes a little bit better for the holiday season. So thank you so much, Mark, for joining us. Thank you, Julia. Great. Um, So just to sort of kick things off a little bit, I hear um, that you started your wine collection in the kitchen and now you own a chateau. So that's really quite a a big uh, transition. Um, Can you share how your love affair with wine sort of began? Um, Yeah, sure. So once again, thank you very much for having me. So wine, Uh, my love of wine sort of took two paths. Uh, First of all, uh, I wanted to, when I, when I retired or when I got older, I wanted to own land and uh, I sort of got my head around after some experience of working on a farm in Africa and, and visiting my, my uncle's vineyard actually that one day I would, I would own some land or preferably a vineyard. And before that, I, I really didn't really understand wine at all. Uh, I think like any youthful person, I was probably drinking beer and cheap al- alcohol. <laughs> and when I, when, I met my, uh, yeah. <laughs> when I met my wonderful wife uh, in China, we had an engagement party and our friend said, uh, sent, said, do you mind if I do the invitations? And I said, fine. And what he did is he said, you're invited to Mark and Sandra's uh, engagement party and please bring a bottle of wine to help them start collecting their wine cellar. So oh, the next morning, nice. after waking up, yeah, it was very nice. So when I woke up the next morning, obviously with a hangover, uh, I had all these bottles of wine, and I was quite impressed and amazed at myself how little I knew. So I just began stacking them and, and, and putting them, in, first of all, in the, completely the wrong place in the kitchen, which is now I know is just about the worst place to put it. But anyway, I, I was very proud of my new wine collection. I stacked it in the kitchen. I divided up white wine, red wine, and that became very obvious. I had no idea about quality or, or certain parameters so i think over a period of time i started to learn i learned by drinking but i also learned by asking questions um and and from there i started to actually really enjoy wine so i sort of gave up the beer and the cheap alcohol and started trying out some wines and tasting it at the same time i kept i became very focused on my dream of one day owning a vineyard so i'd say around about 2009 um I was determined. I, it was a real wake up. I, I, I distinctly remember going to a dinner party and the conversation came up about what would be your dream. And I spoke about owning land and something like that. And I woke up the next morning and I said to myself, if I'm not careful in 20 years time at a similar dinner party, I'm going to be saying the same thing. I need to actually start doing something about this. 
Uh, and I really focused. I, I worked to to achieve my dream. I, I had a big, big sort of change of focus. I, I was ambitious. I don't deny it, but I was ambitious to achieve my dream. And and then slowly worked at it. And to cut a long story short, in 2019, um, the opportunity came. My wife and I bought our vineyard and we took it over. And then I was was able to retire shortly afterwards. And since then, I've been solely focused on on the vineyard and and every day learning learning more about wine oh wow that's fantastic so it was really a sideline uh, hobby while you were working but you had this passion that you knew was something for the future yeah i was i was very and it's, it's wine's such a wonderful thing it's it's Everyone has an opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's well, we, all, we all like it. That's for sure. Yeah, everyone like it. likes it. Um, <laughs> wonderful. It's a. It's a. It's a. I, I call it an elixir. I, I think it's very special. I think the properties it contains are, are unique. Um, I like to say that in, in a glass of wine, it, it basically you 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 have love, joy, solace, salutations, and redemption. All in, a, all in a glass oh, of wow. wine. And, well, and it's a party in a glass. <laughs> yeah, it's a party in a glass. It's a party for, for everything. And yeah. I, just, I just enjoy that unique uh, unique abilities that it has uh, and mm. in conversation. And, and, of course, it, it's a huge compliment with either the environment to your party or it's a huge compliment with your food. It has many compliments. So it's a, it's a very diverse and unique mm. uh, yeah. drink. It sounds like, I mean, it's it's you go into a lot of detail um i enjoy wine i am not i I wouldn't say i was a connoisseur and i certainly need to learn a lot more so it's great to have you on because i'm sure that many people feel the same way and as we approach the holiday season um it can be a little overwhelming as to which wines to choose there's so much out there there's so many options there's ones with sulfites ones without sulfites ones that are biodynamic or I, I I'm not sure I said that right um and there are just organic and I you know firstly if you could if you could um just break it down for us and tell us what the differences are um and that you know does it affect hangover do the sulfites really affect a hangover you know these are all questions that as I'm pouring through the rails I think well I have no idea I'd love someone to sort of uh, demystify all this stuff for me um well thank you very much for for all the questions sorry yeah (laughs) just you've you've got two minutes that's all right let's let's, let's break it down if you think about yeah if you think about tells the people talk about so the label is a tell um Julia, you know a lot, don't you? Well, (laughs) actually, I don't. I pretend I learned a little bit about the art art of of bluffing. So I do know basically (laughs) sort of how to read a label. Um, I've attended quite a few um, sort of wine tasting courses and I'm I'm the kind of person, unfortunately, who, you know, when they they give you all these um, smells and flavors and they say can you taste the blackberry and the blueberry and yeah, can you taste the orange indeed. and oh there's grass on a summer's day and I'm like no I just like it or I don't like it so it's slightly different for me because it's, I love it I love wine and I just know what I like and what I don't like but I do know that there are tells that people can use when it comes to buying a wine I mean it could be 
the year, the color? Does the region really matter? Are these sort of tales something that people can understand um, in easy sort of layman terms? Yeah. I, mean, so, yeah. Uh, I think you said something very important, Julia, that at the end of the day, what I'm about to say might my, my sound um, horribly simplistic, and, and, and excuse me, but I'll, I'll explain why. As, as I was getting close to, to, to getting the vineyard, I, I was fortunate enough to meet a very a very great man, and uh, he told me when it comes to wine, he said, look, don't make it complicated. He said, there are two kinds of wine. There's wine you like and wine you don't. But the difference between the person who, who enjoys wine and wants to learn more about wine is they actively ask themselves why did I enjoy that glass of wine or why did I not enjoy that glass of wine? As, mm -hmm. And as an example, I was at a dinner party three weeks ago and there was a wine and it, it wasn't very nice. I didn't like it, but I continued drinking it. And a lot of people at the table were saying, why are you still drinking it? I said, look, I don't like it, but I'm determined to understand why I don't like it. And if you're able to ask yourself that question, if you want to learn more about wine, it's incredible how much you quickly pick it up that you suddenly you ask yourself that very simple question. So I, that's, I think I really want to convey that because wine should not be prohibitive to anyone. It, it's, 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 there are two kinds. You like it or you don't. You can explore it and just focus on, the, on what you like, or you can explore and try and understand both aspects of it. I think that's, that's very important. That's the point you touched on. The other thing, which you, the first question you mentioned about the label, mm -hmm. I cannot emphasize enough about how important wine labels are because technically – they have everything you need to know uh, about the contents of the bottle. I must admit, when I started tasting wine, I, especially you're very, very nervous at restaurants, they would present the bottle and you look at the label and they go, oh, wow, that's a, that's a red label, great. Uh, and then you quickly, you quickly let the bottle go and then you open it and hope it's, it's fine. I strongly recommend um, if in a restaurant, or mainly if you're buying, is spend as much time as you want looking at the label. Because certainly most most uh, labels have to follow by certain rules. So it will, obviously it will have the name, but it will have the location. It will have the alcohol content. A lot of wines have a back label. Uh, always, always read the back label. Uh, and if you want to talk about looking good or bluffing, if you're at a restaurant as a back label, I always read the back label. The back label will normally have a history. It may have a, a vision or an ethos of, of the vineyard. It may even have tasting um, notes. So it will say that, oh, you will have hints of black fruit together with cherry and everything else. So when you taste it, if you want to bluff it, you go, oh, wow, oh, hints of black fruit and cherry. And people will be impressed because most people don't read the back label. But spend as much time as you want reading the label. I, I'm an avid label reader. And, and a lot of labels are stunningly beautiful as well. A, a lot of time and consideration and thought has gone into the design of the label after following all the rules. So it's all there for you to read. Um, and I strongly recommend feeling no pressure at all to, to hurry up and read. With a restaurant, I take my time. If I'm going to pay for this bottle, I'm going to enjoy not only the contents, I'm going to enjoy what's written on the outside. Yeah, um, and you're right. The uh, labels have, uh, are pieces of art now. I mean, some of these wines, just you know, the labels are just amazing, aren't they? They just look phenomenal with what they're doing. Uh, just artistically with them. Um, so I, I'm it's, always I mean, a bit I'm loud. 
by that. Yeah, they are better. Some, yeah. The, the gods of wine, as I call them, the great, the great Chateau and some of the great other wines around the world. Some of them commission artists that uh, they, 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 they do, I wouldn't say promotions, they, do, they communicate important messages and things like this. And they, they are, they're fabulous. Uh, they're yeah. absolutely magnificent. Um, sometimes so, so enjoy, I worry, enjoy, yeah, I worry that we look at the label. I mean, is there a case for the label can, sw can swing yeah. you? And, yeah, because it looks pretty or it yeah. looks, yeah. you know, I, I, you I have these nice words like like um, with certain fruits or uh, or something that you think you like. So uh, I you saw think, wine yeah. with cupcake written on it and I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah, and, then, yeah. and they like to use big words as well, like you know, premier grand. I mean, these are yes. important classifications, but they can be they can be a little bit um, a little bit shallow if if it's not in the right um, appellation. Uh, yes, I mean that the, the, there is a recent study that I think between sixty and eighty percent of wine decisions are based on the label. Right. Um, and, yeah. and this, but this is not accidental. When when wine was uh, a commodity, when it was first being produced, we're talking two hundred years ago, it was just a bottle, and it was very difficult for people to communicate its contents. So it was wine. And as soon with industrialization, with modern modern technologies, they were able to put paper labels on. Then they were able to communicate the contents of it. And and the more you can make the the label elaborate, more pretty, the more communicative the, the better you were able to tell everyone what's in the bottle and therefore please buy it so yes right. there is there is a direct link I, i'm the same i mean i'm very attracted by my labels yeah. um i am just yeah, so it, with really, them now, it really is a tale then isn't it it really is a tale yes. that's it gives you some Definitely. kind of indication you still may not love it but it you know it yeah. is a good tale it's a good indication of um absolutely and Mark, can you explain a bit about sulfites? What's the mm. sulfite? The sulfites, yeah. the magic, the magic of it. Mm -hmm. um, so, so the, the question, I think, it was two parts: so the sulfites, the content, and then I think it was linked to hangovers as well. Uh, <laughs> well, yes. I mean, I don't know if it is linked to hangovers, but that's. But it uh, could be very useful information to know for the uh, upcoming holiday season. So, yes. <laughs> it could be. and if we could go on to, is there a magic cure? Yeah, yeah, I wish, I wish there was. If I, if I if there was, I'd be using it. <laughs> yeah. There is. I mean, I have not seen the, the scientific study on it, but there is a link between the higher sulfate content, sulfate contents, and the more propensity to to have to have a hangover, to have a headache. Uh, that that there is. Um, is that on the label? Just a quick, is that on the um, label? No. The sulfites? It no, it's not on the label. But that's why you see ah. a lot of labels will say contain sulfites. Mm. So it's like it's like ah, a, it's like a precursor. Okay. But it does then, not tell you a percentage of sulfites on the label. I thought it said like, no. Uh, it, depends, it depends on the countries. Um, yeah. there's, there's normally a, like a minimum max. So, so if the if 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 the sulfite content is above the max, you have to write contains sulfites. If you're uh, below the um, minimum requirement, you don't have to write it. Now, it's important, uh, really important to, to state that sulfites are naturally produced. Mm -hmm. We're not sitting here at the vineyard pouring in sulfites. Um, it's 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 a naturally produced uh, chemical. Oh, I, well, be careful! I, I don't want to upset the scientists listening. It's naturally produced, <laughs> and it's the way the wine deals with with uh, fungus or, or uh, bacteria in the wine. So it doesn't doesn't stay doesn't um, affect the wine. It, it also helps with um, stopping the wine becoming oxidized too quickly. Right. Uh, so I think it's important to say that it's it's naturally now in the process of fermentation and things that you add and everything else, you can generate more sulfites or you can try and 
do more natural things and and generate less. So so that is where the content the content is affected. In terms of in terms of is there a, it, it, as there is a link there is a technical link I won't say scientific uh, with regards to hangovers. I don't have a magic cure, but if I know I'm going to sit down for a long wine evening, uh, in the beginning the first two bottles in, I'm drinking one to one with water. So for every sip of wine I have, I have a sip. Of okay. That's where we're getting wrong, Julia. And that makes yeah. makes a huge thing because alcohol dehydrates you um, yeah. uh, at the same time. So you need to, to compensate for that. And I have found that it does ease a little bit. It's not a magic cure. And a lot of people say, yeah, I already no, know that. It's a really good tip. You know, I tell my teenagers, you know, if you have a night out and you're sort of, you know, going a little bit overboard, before you go to bed and you get home, make sure you drink plenty of water because it will help you for the morning. And um, I don't know whether they do or not, you know. But um, <laughs> actually, I do, I do pace myself a little bit if I'm out. I have, always have, you know, if I'm if I'm dining, I have a glass of wine or two, and I have my have my water alongside. But actually, it's it's a, it's quite a good one on one. At least well, um, for the first two I, bottles, the first as Mark two said. Bottles. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've after that, you just don't remember, do you? Yeah. In the, 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 in the supermarkets now, they have these little um, capsules that you can take and um, Mark's disappeared, um, that you can take and apparently it prevents hangovers. And I was wondering if mark had come across these and what his taste I, I haven't i haven't come across that I, I, now, I will now actively go and look for it and try um so, i've heard of them i've it. heard of them yeah. that you can buy or you can buy sachets and i don't right. know whether you're supposed to take them before you sleep or when you wake up in the morning if you've had if you've been sort of drinking too much wine to excess but um yeah, i know. do know they exist i don't know what i can't remember what they're called they're meant to sort of rehydrate <laughs> your body yeah yeah um, a big part of the hangover is dehydration so so yeah. i'm not sure if, if my, my my approach addresses the sulfides um but it certainly helps with uh, dehydration. <laughs> mm. mark is there a correlation between price of wine versus quality like if you're paying more is it likely to be a better bottle? Yes. A, a nicer uh, bottle? I say yes, but then I'm going to turn around and say not always. Uh, that there is examples of very good marketing as well. Uh, there are wines out there that, that I, I think are inflated. I won't say what. I don't want to upset my, uh, my industry. Uh, but in general, there is, there is a price-quality ratio, which is, which is more or less respected. Uh, or, or followed, respected is probably not the right word, is, is followed. And it's fair to say. However, it's, it's, it's not uncommon to find a, a, good wi- a good wine. I was thinking last two years ago for Christmas to treat myself every day, I, I bought some of the, I bought myself a bottle of, of the more established wines to try. I wanted to try some of the great wines. And there was certainly one that I didn't rate the price. I won't say who, but, but it, was, it was a little bit disappointing. On the flip side, and I, I, I think this is the most satisfaction is when you buy a uh, an affordable wine and it's absolutely fabulous. Yeah. Uh, that that mm. to me is a winner. And yeah. and I, I, my cellar is full of wines like that. And those those I really I, those are the real champions of the wine world because yeah. they're making something fantastic, which is which is affordable. Yeah, affordable uh, for it's, for normal. Sort of exactly for everyone who enjoys. Everyone wants to have a glass of wine, and there's and there's mm. plenty out there. And, 
And a lot of them I found through either meeting people or even reading you know, very good wine magazines. Mm. A lot of these people do a lot of wine tasting and they do recommendations of, of wine for a certain price. And I, I read it avidly. And if there's a wine that I'm interested, I will go actively mm. find it and buy it and try it because I'm, I'm curious for myself to learn and you know why is it so good for the yeah. price. And I, I have a big admiration for, for the vineyards and the, and the estates that can do that. And um, for you, I, I know think you're I'm avid. going to do that. Yeah, you're. No, I'm, you're just, I'm, I'm good. Think I'm good to do that this year for Christmas. I'm going to do a different bottle of wine every day during December. <laughs> Sorry, are, we, are, we, are we recording Woo-hoo! over Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, there's, 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 double, Christmas? There's, there's a double oh, trick God. as well. Especially if you, if you need a lot of patience, the great, the great. What I love about wine, as I heard a great quote the other day, says, "Everything is possible in wine. It just takes two hundred years." So, so uh, if, you, if you're interested the in process. the wine tasting, tasting the bottle every day, then the other trick I do when I buy wine, especially wine that I, I know I'm going to like or I actively, I always buy a minimum of three bottles uh, for, for a number of reasons. First of all, it's easy to stack. Secondly, if I really like the wine, I normally have a second bottle and I get really upset if I don't have a second one there. Uh, and thirdly, it, it gives you, keeps you a reminder. You can you can keep adding to it. Uh, now, another really neat trick is you have the you have the bottle of wine this year, and then the three bottles. If you're patient, you spread over three years, and it's also fabulous to see how the wine evolves. But that's a long term investment in wine tasting. But that's also a great if you buy a case of wine six. If you've got the patience, it's wonderful to drink them over like three years, or if you can six years. It's fabulous to see the the evolution of the wine. That's a nice another nice it's- thing to do. Is that the same if you know your average person? You know, if you if you're if you're entertaining a lot during the holiday season and you think, well, okay, there's the wine a wine store near near home or a vineyard or whatever, and you're going to buy, you know, a couple of boxes of wine. Is it always good to sort of keep the leftovers, the bottles that you don't use for? you know, a year or two? Or is are there some wines that have a time limit that you would say, well, okay, we've got to drink this all this this holiday season because it won't be the same quality next season? It's it's a very difficult it's a very good question. It's a very difficult question to to, to answer because there's no general rule. Uh, okay. certain certain wines are designed to be drunk early. Um, certain wines can because of the the Basically, the, the way they're set up can can age very well. The best thing to do is if you again, if you're going to a restaurant, if, you, if you're going to a shop and you're buying wine, it's I, I do it. I, so I go into the wine shop. I actually know what I'm going to buy, but I, I actually ask to speak to someone, and then I'll have mm. a conversation about the wine, and I'll ask them, you know, can I keep this? You know, is this a, is this an early drinking wine? How long do you think I can keep it for? You, you also may base buy some wine, and the, and the person will say, look, Mark, you can't touch it. You need to leave this for three years. Put it in your cellar, leave it three years, and then drink it. Oh, wow. I highly recommend these, these. These everyone, every single person. I have, I have yet to meet anyone in a wine shop, and I've been to wine shops all over the world who are not enthusiastic about the product that's sitting in their shop, and they love mm. to talk about it, and they're extremely knowledgeable. And it's another avenue to learn. And, and again, I go back to that, this elixir that enables total strangers to, to meet and discuss. And there are fountains of knowledge. So, so for, your, for your Christmas party, there's basically fundamentally probably two activities. You've got your, your, your dinner, your important family gatherings. Or, and if you're going to have some nice food, then it's, it's, it would be nice to have some nice wine. I would, I would probably mm-hmm. invest in, in some nice wine. Obviously match the wine with the food. 
The other gathering is you've got a gathering of friends. It's a drinks party. There it's a bit of more of a volume game. Mm-hmm. So, so you need something mm-hmm. that drinks right there. I'm not sure if I would actively go out and spend the same amount of money that I would on my dinner because your friends are just going to drink it and they're, they're, mm. they're, they're there to enjoy each other. The wine is just adds it. Um, mm-hmm. you, you don't really want to serve very expensive wine because especially people who know it will spend all night drinking one glass because it's fabulous. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and at the other time, is it, you, the worst thing you want is you just want, don't want people chugging it and then and moving on. So, so those would be my two buying criteria in terms of, you know, more volume based, more drinking now for, for the gatherings, the parties and for the for the, the dinner, the nice food, I would invest a little bit more, speak to the person at the shop, okay, I'm having turkey or I'm having this, or whatever, and then they'll give you some recommendations of the wine. You can mix it up. You can have sort of different wines during during the day. Um, Mark, is that a threshold on what's like a good ballpark figure to spend on let's say you you're having a gathering, so there there's more volume there. What's um I mean, what can you, is there a range where you know if you spend within this range per bottle, you're going to get a decent bottle? It's not, you know, don't go below yeah. this. Yes, there's this, but it's country specific. So I don't know which, which country should I use as a benchmark. Um, um, you can, I don't know if you're, you're um, aware of the US sort of market yeah so you normally the the break the break point the u.s is similar to so like i was going to say u.s uk so u.s is around the 20 dollar mark so that's your that's your you know a a nice good affordable bottle of wine drink it now uh, and occasionally you'll get an absolute winner you know you'll you'll find something 20 20 to 30 dollars uh you it's a very nice ballpark number that'll give you a nice i'll give you a nice bottle of wine and serve with your friends a nice party and like i said once in a while, and and I lived in the U.S. Once in a while, you just suddenly stumble across a cracking bottle of wine. Right. Yeah. If if you're going to do the investment, you're looking around the, the fifty U.S. Uh, dollar mark is okay. is where you're going to start. You know, that's really your quality quality uh, wine where it sits. It, sort of like the thirty to sixty dollar. I'm sort of. I'm sort that's of, where you want to impress. After after a certain point, after a certain point. Uh, I, I'm and again, I'm a, I'm a great lover of wine. I, I think there's a diminishing point of return. Is that I'm not sure if you put a three hundred dollar bottle of wine on the table and a good sixty seventy dollar bottle of wine, uh, if if everyone will notice the difference. Of course, your wine mm-hmm. connoisseur who's bought the three hundred, he's going to spot it a mile away. Mm-hmm, but yeah. are, are the people going to appreciate it as much as you as the wine connoisseur? And it's it's a it. And I don't mean to upset people listening now. I can agree, but I can serve in Bordeaux, I, and I've done it and I've proved it. That I can I can go into a shop and I can buy a cracking Pomerol or two, and I look for the vintage two thousand nine at fifty to sixty euro bottle will drink as good as a two hundred euro bottle and, and a Pomerol because I know the vintage, I know the area, and I know the value proposition or the value it contains. Uh, in it and and if you get that good and you start to to practice that you'll start finding these cracking wines you don't need to spend now obviously yeah obviously it's very nice when you have the opportunity to drink some of the greats um but i sit in the oral night drinking it because it is special but you you don't have to break the bank to, to, to have a great bottle of wine well my husband who i believe you've had several dinners with tells me that you always order one of the most expensive bottles of wine from the menu. I think, I think that's a bit of a... I think. 
exaggeration. Okay, so, yes. A slight exaggeration. <laughs> no, but you have a, you have a taste, is, so you you know the yes, occasion, you know what will complement the food. Mm. Yeah, it's, it was, it's well. I, I think it's, it's as I learned more about wine, you start to recognize the names. You recognize so it's, well, that's where you recognize the, the wine growing areas. So you, you get your head around the Santa Milion, about Marlborough, Yarra Valley, moving into uh, sort of uh, California. So you start recognizing the areas. When you start recognizing the areas, then you start recognizing the specific villages or the thing, and then suddenly you start recognizing the distinct vineyards. And what happens is when you're in a restaurant, I find myself slowly working my way, depending on how the restaurant mm. does it, up or down to the, to the, to the more pricier. But you start to see, oh, wow, they, so they, they have that. Um, the, other, the other trick I've noticed, a lot of res- restaurants is uh, they, they, may, they make a lot of margin on the, on the cheaper wine. And so I sometimes feel those are overpriced. When, when you could go and buy that in a shop for 10, 15 pounds, and suddenly you're seeing it for 30, 30 pounds in the restaurant, going, oh, okay, it's a bit steep when I know I can get it for half the price. Um, so, so that also kind of puts me off a bit. Uh, mm. But I, I, don't, I don't immediately glass the bottle. I, I love, actually, truth <laughs> be said, when I, go to, when I go to a restaurant, I make my decision on the food. And then, again, because I like learning and chatting, I highly recommend if it's a nice restaurant, they have a sommelier. I say, please, no, can I treat you ask. Mm. And mm. I say, right, so today I'm having your, your famous uh, lamb chops. Um, and what would you recommend? But I also tell that, that I also specify tonight I, I want to pay no more than 40 pounds for a bottle of wine. So I'm having the lamb. Uh, I have this taste. My budget is 40 pounds for a bottle. What would you recommend? And, and they they always come up with a cracking recommendation. And and if you want to, you want to spend more, you can you can increase your budget. If you want if you want to spend less, you said that again. I highly recommend talking to the sommelier. Yeah, no, um, I think that's a great idea. They, I think they can always give you some tips, and you can always even if you don't want to say out loud how much you want to spend, um, you can just sort of indicate with your finger. I'm looking for something along well, these noticed, lines that, that will yeah. go along with whatever the menu the is. Yeah, Smellia won't read out the price. He'll just he'll, yeah. he'll show the one list and he'll point to it. <laughs> yeah. So it gives you time to say it doesn't you know it doesn't put any pressure on you, and you mm. can look now. Obviously, you can look at the price if he, if he's got it met your budget and what it looks like. So that that's normally a very good etiquette of of sommeliers. I've never mm. come across sommelier blurt out okay buy this one because mm. it's that. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's not Mark, a good one what's to your know. thoughts on champagne and well bubbles prosecco? Um, I know that there's a big difference in price. So if any of our listeners are in the market for having some bubbles this, this season, is there um, some go-tos that you can give us a few yeah. tips? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big big admirer and lover of champagne or, or sparkling wine. Let's say, let's say sparkling wine. Uh, my, I think my first comment is don't ever be intimidated by 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 champagne, uh, even champagne from champagne, or basically sparkling, sparkling uh, wine from champagne. Uh, while the region is fabulous and deserves the, the prestige that it carries, there are also some very nice um, affordable champagnes from, from there. Again, uh, looking at the label, reading the label will give that away. If, if, if you're a little bit conscious about champagne and, and whether the pricing or, or what it brings, there, obviously, there is some some more affordables. Uh, you, you mentioned pr- pr- Prosecco. Uh, that there's there's Cava from Spain. Um, there's, there's there's Asti, which is which is a bit lower alcohol but more refreshing from Italy. However, 
if, if I could recommend one thing is is probably if you don't want to go to Champagne, stay in France and they, the next bracket. So all sparkling wine in France produced outside of Champagne is called Cremant. Uh, and, and it's because uh, they're not allowed to call their wines Champagne. So, so the second biggest sparkling wine producing region in the world after Champagne is, is Loire. And they have this Cremant de, de, de Loire. And there's also a Cremant de Bourgogne, Cremant de Bordeaux. And these are basically sparkling wines produced in France. There are some cracking, cracking wines uh, in, in the Cremant uh, bracket. And I think in Loire, there's like um, Vouvray and, and Sonua, some, some very nice and very affordable. These, these are very good price. I, I, I hosted some friends about a month ago. And I was determined only to serve wine from Bordeaux. But then I was like, what am I going to do for sparkling wine? Mm-hmm. And I found a Cremant de Bordeaux. I served it. All my friends were like, and these, some of these are high-end, high-end people who enjoy their, their wine. And this, they say, oh, this is fabulous. What a great bottle. What a great Cremant. What anything else. I, was, I didn't tell them the price. I, I got it for 10 euro a bottle. Wow. Uh, and it was a, it was perfect. It was, it yeah. was, it was fresh. It was enlightening, and it was, it was a really good. So Cremant is probably an unexplored area, which I would yeah. really recommend your listeners. There's some really good price opportunities there, and some cracking, is, and that's is, is that closer to is Cremant closer to Champagne than perhaps a Cava would be or a Prosecco? Do you think it's more probably like yes because of, because of the way way it's produced. So so uh, champagne is. Sorry, champagne. Sparkling wine. There's there's basically five ways to produce the sparkling effects. There's the traditional, which is what basically uh, they use in champagne, where they ferment and then they put it in the bottle and ferment again. And then and then there's the famous. They put they they riddle it. They turn the bottle and then they they, they let the sparkling wine sit on the the dead the dead yeast. I know it sounds terrible, but it's called the lees. They call surly, and that's what gives it the biscuity and and, and and that gives it all the quality and everything else. So Loire, the Cremons, normally all followed the traditional method. Um, your, your Proseccos, they, fo- they follow other sort of, I would say, less costly procedures that they mm. call uh, the tank method or the transfer method. There's even the Asti method. And I think the last one, the easiest one, is just carbonation, which is like, like a soda stream. They just take white wine and, and pump it full of oh That's, that's going to be very affordable. Um, so, yes, so the Cremons, the Cremons do, you're absolutely right, Julia, the, the Cremons will, will – will follow the same traditional method as, as the champagnes. Um, it's just a lesser known area, uh, but it's still some, some cracking, uh, some really great, great sparkling wines there. And I, I, look, as an Englishman, I wouldn't be doing it justice. I think English sparkling wine is also fabulous. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of it. I, I think they've done a great job. Uh, and it's also, oh, it's, really? I like exploring. And, and don't, and don't really forget also, yes, South African sparkling wine, New Zealand and Australian sparkling wines are also very good. South African because it's a, a, a cap, a cap classic method. That's their traditional method. They use the Shannon grape, so it's very, very sharp, very acidic, very nice. And Australia and New Zealand also some beautiful sparkling wines. So, so again, just a, a conversation with, with, with you, you know, if you're going to the shop. But I would say I think Cremance is definitely a good place to look, um, and then some of the New World wines, sparkling wines. Wonderful. It sounds like there's a lot of options out there. Oh, there, there, there is. It's just, just ask yeah, the question. Who knew you can start looking for a Cremant instead of a Prosecco when you head to the when you head to your local store. I know. I know. Yeah. I I do tend to go for Prosecco, but I'll have a look for this. I go for yeah. Cava because my husband's Spanish. If we're not <laughs> wanting, if we're not wanting champagne, we just sort of look for a Cava because apparently it's 
exactly the same. <laughs> so he says, they're usually very good, to be honest. They're usually very yeah, they good. Very so, good. Um, but a cremant, I think, is a, is a, something I'm going to look out for this. Yeah, for coming up to the holidays, I'm going to look yeah. out for, for that. Well, I have one more great. question. Um, just out of interest, when it comes to decanting wine, and I know that based on studies that I did years and years and years ago, I'm not really in the habit of decanting wine at home myself, but I do know that when you go to a restaurant and the wine is decanted for you, it feels fabulous. Um, if you're decanting wine at home and you're having a fabulous dinner party or something like that, do you need to show the guests the label or explain what the wine is or can you just serve it from a beautiful decanter and it just makes the whole evening look much more extravagant <laughs> wine wine as well as being a wonderful elixir is also there's a wonderful uh tradition there's a lot a wonderful process there's a there's a whole there's a whole orchestra of things that could go on when it when it comes to a glass uh, a bottle of wine uh it's certainly, if it's a nice bottle of wine at a dinner party, why not show your friends? So today we're having this, and I've, I've chosen this wine, and you can show them the label and everything else. Now, when it comes to decanting, again, the, the wonderful thing about wine, there's, there's many different approaches and everything else. It's, it's my humble approach. Uh, I decant uh, older wine because the older wine has the with the detriment some of the some of the, the skins or anything else. When you hold up the wine, you look at look at uh, you meant to look at it with a candle, you'll see little bits. So you'll decant the wine into a decanter to get rid of those little bits and pieces. The process of, of decanting also opens up the wine. So it's the wine of maybe you can sit in there 10, 20 years undisturbed, hopefully not in your kitchen, uh, in your mm -hmm. cellar. And so it's it's getting some oxygen and waking it up. The wonderful thing about oxygen is it opens up the wine. The bad thing about oxygen is that wine, as it immediately starts coming into contact, basically starts to oxidize and eventually will kill the wine. So so, so it's a process of, therefore, you have to drink it. Quickly. Another time, another time, <laughs> yeah, which is great. So another time, yeah. to do, which is what I do, is if the, if the wine is very young, so it's still very fruity, uh, and maybe, maybe you try and – you 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 decant it to oxidize, give some more oxygen to artificially age it. Now again, I'm going to get some some horrible comments saying that I'm saying it's not true. It's technically yes, that's correct. But it, mm -hmm. if you actually find if you decant a young wine, it, it 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 will be very fruit forward. But by decanting, it also opens up a little bit, takes a little bit of the tight what we call the tightness out of it. So that's what I normally decant. Now, that doesn't stop you from decanting every single bottle when you have a wonderful dinner party with your friends and you want to go through this wonderful procedure of, of decanting. There's, there's nothing nothing says you can't do that. But traditionally in, in, the, in the wine world, they definitely decant old wines and it's not uncommon new, fresher wines just to open it up. But those, those are the two criteria that I, I decant. You know, but don't take don't take my word for it. You you can try, and it's wonderful. Again, you can practice. But that, that's the what's worked for me is those those two approaches. Hmm. Um, and before we go, I just wanted to find out. You talk about storing your wine, and you've mentioned a couple of times that you should never store it in your kitchen. If we don't have a cellar, where should we store our wine? Somewhere dark uh, with minimal temperature variation. Okay. Uh, so a cupboard, um, okay. it, somewhere, somewhere it's, you, you want to avoid sunlight and you want to avoid temperature variation. That, that's, that's the key to keeping wine. 
Uh, if, if you can, if you can get somewhere with a, sort of a cooler, cooler environment around 15 degrees all the time, that's great. Uh, but if you can just follow those two, at least keep it out of the sunlight. Yeah. That, so that okay. make so the, the, the broom cupboard under the stairs, if we, if we don't have a sailor, as long, you know, not, not, needs not must, needs must. <laughs> yep. It's, it's what about the wine system? fridges? The wine fridges. I mean, obviously they're temperature controlled, aren't they? So yes, uh, I, I'm. I, I uh, yes. So I, I'm going to get in trouble with my children now. I, I, I like wine fridges. I think it's a good way to store. But obviously they they, they have an impact in terms of energy, electric, yeah. electrical consumption and, mm. and the impact. Uh, if possible. Um, I, I would use uh, a wine fridge for for basically ex expensive wine uh, that, that you want to keep. You don't want to disturb. I wouldn't use it for just general wine. That that would be. I think they're expensive as for a start. Um, and and mm -hmm. do, yeah, because I see that on your website you're really quite into sustainability and everything like that. So it's obviously something that's uh, a consideration yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, in the process. It's very yeah all the, exactly so that's I don't have a wine fridge so to say that's great but obviously I was very fortunate to to, uh, to, to be, when uh, when we bought the Chateau of King with, with a cellar so so I put it there mm. but everything we try and do we're trying to be as sustainable as we can we're getting better you mentioned about I think it's important quickly I jump into you asked a question about earlier about organic wine and mm -hmm. you know is it worth yeah. and, and things like so I'm a big fan of organic wine. Uh, it, it, we are we are in the process of going through organic conversion. Now, we haven't decided if we're going to put it on the label. And I think it's important to, to point out to your listeners, there's quite a few vineyards out there and wine producers who are organic, but they don't put it on the label. They choose. So that's for various reasons. Um, but a lot of vineyards are, are doing the best they can to, to be sustainable. And we, we are going through that process because – we, my, my wife says she wants her grandchildren to be able to run through the vines, walk through the vines without, with, without being told, no, no, you can't go today because we're spraying or you can't go there because we've done something. Mm -hmm. so, so we're determined that, that everything will be, will be natural. And, and then a lot of, a huge majority of, of vineyards feel the same way. Right, so th those, the organic wine, I think, is, is, is very good. There's also natural wine which is very controversial in the wine world. Uh, I must admit, when I first heard about it, I was disrespectful. I regret it. I'm sorry for that. I was very, very fortunate to meet someone who was in the natural wine business. He explained it to me. I think it's fabulous. I am, I am so impressed with it. It's basically natural. It's, a, it's a fermented grape juice. So it's, it's just grown in a vine. You just, you just harvest it. You put it in the thing. You don't, you don't do anything. Use the natural yeast. Mm -hmm. So it won't last long. Natural natural wine is designed to be drunk now, which is lovely. So when you open it, you're going when you buy it, you're gonna drink it. Uh, but it's it's a very nice very nice wine. So I'm I'm a big fan of it. I think it's it's a great it's another nice part of of, of wine. Another element and organic. Yes, I do think it's worth it. But at the same time, a lot of vineyards are going to that practice because it's the right thing to do for the future. And, yeah. and we are. Mm. Why, why are people not putting it on their labels? Because it just it, enables, as a consumer, to make an informed choice. Um, true. It's, 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 it varies on on I, I, what I'm saying is probably not the norm. It's, it's probably a, 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 a lesser amount. But we have met, we've come across vineyards that I was surprised who are organic, but they didn't have the label. So it's, so it's a minority. But don't, mm -hmm. don't underestimate the effort. I think, I think my message is more about don't underestimate the effort of vineyards around the world trying to do their best for sustainability. And a lot, a lot of vineyards in France are trying to go organic or 
getting close to it. You mentioned biodynamic. My wife is a big fan of biodynamic. Uh, I don't understand it. I think it's fabulous, the idea of planting a, a, a cow's horn at a certain part of the, the vineyard at the moon when there's a full moon. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, very, it's very linked to the, to the, the cycles of, of the world. I think it's fabulous. I, I just don't understand it, so I'm trying to learn more about it. Right. There's I have a, a friend there. that has, has a vineyard and she does uh, biodynamic wine so that's how yeah. i got introduced but i agree it's not mainstream and it's um but it, i think it's, it's, it's a little yeah it's sweet. a little bit um unknown it's still it, it, but that doesn't mean it's not good i think i think it's i think it's i think it's great and it's something to look out for but yeah. uh, again i think i'm maybe bang on there is these these wines i think are worth it they're very interesting they're different to, to maybe more traditional wines but they're producing great wine and, okay. and at the end of the day a lot of vineyards in the, in the future will be organic or organically based uh you know following procedures that's great to know and is that would you say that's mainly in europe or across the world i know i mean in the u.s do you see the same pattern there's, there's uh, a lot of california and yeah I, I think a lot of the there's a lot of pressure on the wine world with regards to um you know the carbon footprint uh, so right. the big the big <laughs> dare I bring it up, you know, bottles, uh, glass bottles, transporting these around. Certainly a lot of work doing in, in, the, in the field. We, we, we've done a huge amount here. We're, like I said, we're going through the organic conversion. So we of our 40, 30, 37 hectares of vines, 3% is already organic. But we're doing a lot of work with the environment. So we, have, we, we haven't been using pesticides for many years because we have a natural bat colony. So, so right. it's wonderful to... When you show people the, the vines, if they're not too scared, you're going to show them the back colony. Um, yeah. So that's how you deal with insects. Uh, and then, then you're working with putting cover crops. So I'm seeing it. I, I spend a lot of time studying, um, looking at what well, going to, if I can, visit other vineyards, but also going online and seeing what people are doing. And it's impressive around the world. Yeah. California, there's very nice sustainability reports and everything. Right. So, yes, there's some really good stuff. Well, that's good to know, isn't it? No, it's fantastic. I mean, it's... Um... It is good. I think sometimes with people, when it comes to sort of organic, any kind of organic item, they just automatically think, oh, it's more expensive, so I don't want it. But slowly the mentality is changing a little bit. As there is, there is a happening. Cost, yes. Yeah, I, I hope so. It's good that it's changing. There is a cost involved. That's why you have to be careful. A lot of mm. people that make mistakes sort of one year to the next going organic, that your vineyard, your land cannot cannot cope with that dramatic change. Mm. I used I mm-hmm. deliberately used the word organic conversion because you need to do it step by step. It's it, it can be anywhere between a five and ten year process. You just need to do it slowly. It can't happen and, overnight. And, mm. Yeah, it can't happen overnight. So, but I, I think it's the right way to go. I'm we're no very, great. Well, yeah, very hot on sustainability. Mm. You know, I think we've seen that we producing our own honey, all this kind of stuff. I think anything you can do to work with the land to just make it work, work together, yeah, I think wonderful. it's important. Yeah, congratulations yeah. For, for, for doing that. Thank you. Um, so to finish up then, what will be our top takeaways from today um, to sort of summarise everything? So we know the tells of the, of the label are important because we can understand the region and the year that the wine was produced. We know that um, we don't always have to spend hundreds of dollars or pounds on um, an expensive bottle. We can get, you know, good good bottles at good prices. Anything else, Mark, that you would um, like to add to take away? 
I think the comment I made earlier about the, the, the wines you like, wine you don't like, it's it's very personal. Make, don't let someone give you your opinion on wine. Make you know, mm-hmm. make your own. You don't need. There is a language of wine, but that's for the journalists and for the wine industry to communicate amongst themselves. So, so don't feel under pressure to learn these these words. Mm-hmm. It's, it's when you drink it, if you taste, if you taste cherry, if you taste pencil lead. Then, then good for you. Uh, it's it's more important to you is do you like the wine? Yes, uh, that's yeah. really important. Yeah, great. Um, so, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. I think we could have talked on for um, another hour or so, um, but we really appreciate you sharing these in, sort of invaluable tips and. And uh, it's really great to get an insight um, firsthand about sort of what happens in, in the world of wine. So I think I'm ready to get on with some festive fun and start wine planning myself. I so I feel like next time we need to do an actual wine tasting podcast. Where we yeah, actually, we, we could do that. We could do a wine tasting podcast <laughs> and, Mark and we could get Mark, Mark back on. I oh, you have know, to through. You know to, uh, what would be even better? What would be even better is if we could do a wine and food podcast, okay? So Mark could yeah. suggest some wines and we could bring yeah. some foods and we could do some pairing and tasting. That would be that would be the I best mean, podcast ever. Be, you may have to change it up, Julia, and actually have some wine instead of gin and tonic every night. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm having tea. I'm having tea. With <laughs> What's happening? It's a Friday night. Yeah, I'm that, tea. That sounds... What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? That sounds great. Um, um, so... Thank you so much, Mark. Um, thank you for being here. Um, keep calm, carry on, and remember, manners matter to you. As always, thank you for listening. We love hearing from you. If you have any topics or suggestions that you would like to be covered, please reach out to us at Manners Matter 2 or follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and you can subscribe on the links below. See you next time and remember, be nice and manners matter too.